0: Welcome to Everything's Not Black and White, a podcast about perspectives with your hosts Lala and Brian. Hey, everybody! It's your girl Lala
1: and B Dog. Really? Yeah, it's no. my new name today. B B B zizzle for shizzle. B zizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Does it not fit? No. Ah,
0: oh, man. Now, afraid not, kiddo. Right,
1: I'll go with Brian.
0: Hey, Brian, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, the
1: average white guy named Brian. <laughs> nothing fancy, nothing that's, unusual.
0: That's okay. Brian's pretty special to me, I think. No, oh. Oh, so nice. Only
1: because it's spelled with an I <laughs> and not a
0: Y. The right way, right? That's right. Oh, my goodness. That's a topic for a whole nother discussion in another day. But we want to welcome everyone back to uh, episode two of our podcast. If you are brand new and you're just listening to us for the first time, we say welcome and we appreciate you being here. And if you're coming back after the first episode, we say welcome back. We appreciate it and glad you guys are joining us today. We are on the topic of interracial marriage today. (laughs) And we realize that looks like a a lot of different things, um, especially here in the United States. But for today's discussion, um, we're just going to be focusing on black and white interracial relationships and particularly ours of a black female and a white male. So, Brian, I think for a few visitors to our podcast, they may not know a little history of interracial marriage in the United States, in particular for black and white people. Would you give them the little Cliff Notes or Cleophas Notes version?
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be short because there's over 300 years of history when it comes to interracial relationships. Yeah. So to start off with, uh, the very first law ever was in Maryland. And it was a a law in 1664 that basically said a black man cannot marry a white woman. And surprisingly, I didn't know this, but surprisingly, it was the white woman who was going to be sent to jail if that occurred. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm Interesting. That is interesting. So let me go fast forward. I'm going 200 years, 250 some years ahead here. Yes. All of a sudden, we find ourselves here in 1967. Why don't you tell us what happened in 1967? Well, that was, if I am correct, and I know that I am, it
0: was the case of Mildred and Richard Loving, who was was a couple that lived in Virginia and were married, actually in Washington, D.C., where it was legal, and moved back to their home in Virginia where it was illegal and so they were actually arrested and harangued for many many years for being an interracial couple and the people law enforcement in virginia didn't agree with their union so they tried to separate them and break their family apart and they ended up having to take it all the way up to the supreme court of the united states to have it approved that they could be in love with each other marry each other and live happily ever after
1: Yeah, and and get this. In 1967, only 3% of all newlyweds were interracial couples. Mm. But since that time, since the Loving decision, including ourselves, we have gotten the percentage over six times the amount almost as it was in 1967. So it's at 17%. Yeah. Now, there's interracial couples, ourselves included. So thanks to the Lovings, yes, we have the opportunity ourselves to be married and be together in, in a racial relationship, and we don't have to worry about the police busting down our doors unless there's something I don't know about.
0: <laughs> Skeleton in your closet. I'm okay. going to say about that. No, we're good. No, okay. We're totally good. We should be fine. What I think is really interesting, though, that Virginia – their slogan for their tourism is Virginia is for lovers.
1: Well it says lovers, not lovings. That is so, also true. Yes. So but t- times are changing. Yeah,
0: though. times are changing and it's fascinating. You know, but in my personal life, uh interracial marriage had been going on for a really long time. My uncle, um, Henry, who was in the military, he's in the air force, um, his wife was a British woman and still is a British woman named Anne. They've been married well over fifty years at this point because I'm almost 47, and so they were married before I was even born. So they've had quite a long history, but I think it might have been different maybe because she was European um, and he was in the military at the time. So I'm not sure if that made a difference or not, but I know they've had quite a long marriage.
1: And the only diversity I had in my family was which shade of white were we? (laughs) We are either white or really white. So there was no in between. I had no understanding of what an interracial relationship was like i I just never experienced it until later in life
0: yeah so i think what's i would love to hear your perspective and i and i think our listeners would too is what were was your thought first of all about getting involved with an interracial relationship particularly with a black woman and like what changed your mind in that process
1: I remember when you first started flirting with me, I was I was like, "Is this black woman flirting with me?" Because <laughs> if you know me, I'm a I'm a blue jeans, I wear flannel shirts a lot, like Mister Loving. Yeah, I mean, you would think I was some some hillbilly, some hayseed that fell off the wagon, and and here's this this beautiful black woman, uh, flirting with me, and and I was kind of caught off guard because uh, no <laughs> one, I've never had anybody of a different ethnicity um flirt with me. So that was that was kinda eye opening. Wow. Uh but it was enjoyable. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. But I it, mean
0: what's not to enjoy with my affections. I mean really
1: I know. <laughs> I know. But over time, uh it took me a while to get there. But then I uh, I finally asked you out and then I still had like concerns and like I was actually like Google and stuff like what's it like to be in an interracial relationship? I'm like, it is not that complicated. Yeah. But I made it complicated because I didn't have any experience in it. And I remember this one time when I was going to ask you about getting married. And I remember I, I asked this uh, friend of mine named Marquita and her husband was white. And with uh, Marquita, I said, Marquita what's the secret? Is is something going to happen? Is there something I should know? (laughs) Like when you marry into an interracial relationship. The genie in a
0: bottle, the genie just comes out and all your wishes come true. That's what
1: happens. I can't imagine being in her shoes. Like what a silly (laughs) question that was. Um, But but to say that and hear myself say that looking back, that was definitely kind of awkward. But she answered me and gave me an honest answer and she just kind of paused and looked at me and said, Brian, you can't help who you love and just left it at that. And it kind of, Surprisingly it gave me comfort in, in the decision I was making and ultimately you ended up winning the lotto because I did ask you <laughs> to marry me.
0: That's right. I, I did. I, I hit that uh mega millions for sure in in case of husbands, you know. So I think what was so cool about you is that and I told you this what attracted me to you, um was just your your sense of humor. You were such a kind, respectful person. Um, you always made me laugh, which I thought was really cool. And then the fact that you cared so much about being a father. And that was really interesting to me because my own father was not in my life. So to have someone who was very dedicated and concerned about not only his own child, but how he can be a father figure to those in the community was very special to me. So, you know, I think at that point it was irrelevant that you were white it was just that you were just this cool guy and I just appreciated who you were
1: but you also I appreciate that but you also had dated uh white people before me yes so what was that experience like what was the first time when you went out or what was the first time it was like when you you brought a boy home that was white being that you were raised by your grandmother who obviously went through different time than what we have.
0: Yeah. Well, the interesting part is I went to college in Washington state and this was in the early nineties, mid nineties and it was 1% black in the state. So that was one thing. So you only had a certain pool of people that were even there. And then my college uh, was also 1% black. So about 7,500 people were in my college. So that mean about 70, 75 people were black on campus. So you had very limiting experiences with people of color um, anyway. And then with black people in particular, most of the guys were on the football team or the basketball team, as you could imagine. So it was a handful of us girls who were there. So we had to make choices. If we wanted to date someone, they probably were going to be outside of our race. So it just became something that was you know, about access, really not necessarily preference. You know, I think men of all races are beautiful and can be kind and wonderful. Just so happened that I found one that was Caucasian. So that was cool. Um, But my very first uh, boyfriend that I brought home to my grandmother, she worked really hard uh, to be as politically correct (laughs) as possible. I mean, she wasn't a racist by no means or she wasn't prejudiced against white people despite all the hardships she had growing up but what she was she just wanted somebody to treat me well and somebody that would love me and and treat me for the kind of person that um she always thought me to be and I was special so it wasn't a weird situation for my grandmother um but it was kind of weird actually for some of my other relatives I actually had an uncle who gave me a t-shirt that had a woman looking into the refrigerator with rollers in her hair and she was kind of stubby and he said it said on those t-shirts looking for love in all the wrong places and he basically said when he gave me that t-shirt that he'd rather i be fat and addicted to food than to be married to a white person so ouch know. Yeah,
1: that's not very sensitive. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, there's still family members that feel that way. The majority of my family, however, does not. Um, And that's an uncle I actually don't see very often. But um, I think most people who know me know my heart and they know um, that I care about people and the human aspect of people and that I really just want to be in a relationship where we are
1: partners, you know? Yeah. Yeah yeah and, and and with my family as well there was some like are you dating a black person like yep i am and and once people got to meet you and i think that's what people need to do with anybody is just have a conversation talk and get to know somebody before you make a judgment because if you just look you know don't read a book by its cover mm-hmm. actually get in and see what's going on and when that happened everybody grew to love you and appreciate you and and right now you're you're Everybody in my family thinks you're great and you're great for me. Yeah.
0: So I think what a lot of people might be um, fearful of when you start talking about interracial relationship is basically how they'll be treated um, as a couple, not even necessarily with other family members, but that could be the case. But even when you go out in public, you know, do you remember one of the first times when we went out and how we got some looks and stares and maybe even some comments that were not very flattering about our relationship?
1: It helped refresh my memory. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to think of, there were incidences, but I'm trying to think of what the one you're talking about. Well,
0: I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking about. I mean, there were just incidences that I, you know, I think maybe at the beginning you were not necessarily keen on seeing, um, but then you started to see them after a while.
1: Yeah, there there was one incident in my memory that really was kind of shocking. We were, I, for those of you who don't know, I've been receiving cancer treatment over the last four years And one thing I was doing was going into chemotherapy uh, sessions where I would sit in a room and wait for my turn to be called back to get my chemotherapy. And I remember distinctly this older white gentleman. He's probably 70, 80 years old. And he was asleep across from us. Didn't think much about it. But when he woke up, he looked at you and I, and then he double looked at us. And then he got up out of his seat and went and sat on the other side of the room. And I remember being like, Wow. How petty is that? Yeah. You're sitting in a in an office where everybody here is getting chemo, which means somebody you care about or yourself has cancer. But it was so appalling to see you and I sitting next to each other yeah. that he had to go to the other side of the room.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it was sad. And there's been several of those kind of situations. And I think the deeper meaning of all of that is that cancer doesn't discriminate against black and white people. Everyone gets cancer. Anyone can get a awful chronic illness and they don't discriminate against color. So I don't know why as human beings, we tend to do that. And so that was unfortunate for him, but it's probably a product of how he was raised. And, you know, and I think that's a bigger conversation for us, you know, even to have right now that we understand not everyone's gonna feel the same way we do about being in an interracial relationship you know I know a lot of people have said what about the kids and the kids won't be accepted on either side and the kids won't know how to have an identity you know what do you say to people like that
1: you, you just raising your kids with love it doesn't matter and for the, even with that gentleman like we've had like why wouldn't you get mad well I'm not gonna get mad first of all, I'm not gonna waste my time yeah on getting mad with that gentleman but more importantly, we, we have the awareness to know that he grew up in a different time and era than mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. And we know some of the ideology that was taught back in the 50s and 60s and even 40s for this guy. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was an older guy. So we understand some of the challenges that he faced. And we always talk about you are kind of what you marinate in. Mm-hmm. And if he was marinated in that with his with his parents or his uncles or his family or school or whatever it is, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to waste any time on being upset with that gentleman that's that's his choice but with our kids it's all about just raising them with love right and just supporting them no matter no matter what the cause is I got your back
0: yep absolutely and I think one of the bigger topics you just said is like how do you spend time with people that are different from you to get to know them you know we have a lot of friends couples that are all races all orientations all nationalities and backgrounds and we find commonality just in the idea of being in a relationship or being married or over food or whatever it is you pick something that you have in common and you explore it and then you find out how many other things you have in common and it really builds out the relationship and so I think that's what people need to look at is instead of trying to see all the differences all the time find out what you have in common and use that as a
1: jump-off point. One of the greatest lessons I learned, and I don't even know if the gentleman meant to teach it, but do you remember Kelly's grandpa? Yeah. How old was he at the time? Oh, my
0: gosh. He was late 90s.
1: Yeah, so this this gentleman grew up prime Jim Crow-era laws, had every reason to be mad at white people, and um, he didn't hold a grudge. When I walked in and I met this gentleman for the first time, even though he was elderly and he had trouble standing and walking, he got up out of his seat to shake my hand. And I thought, what what a, a kind gesture. For all he's been through, that he can still feel like he, he needs to stand up and, and shake my hand just, just to show his kindness. And when you have people like that taking steps like that and um, kind of like, I don't say letting go of the past, but knowing it is the past and moving forward. And that was a really uh, touching moment for me, and I still remember that. And I remember that gentleman. Unfortunately, he has he has passed on since, uh, rest his soul. But what a kind gesture!
0: Yep, and I think we always have to just take a step out of ourselves, and we make the first move. I think it's so hard and taxing on your body to live with hate and have venom against people. It's so just exhausting that you want to connect with people who want to move forward and you will connect with people who want to make the world a better place. And I still believe love will conquer hate every day. Every single day, I believe that. So I think the more we explore and expound on our love for each other and our love for our community, I think we can definitely make the world a better place.
1: Now, back onto the the marriage topic, I know you have friends that will still only date within their race. Yes, How does that make you feel? And and what do you what what opportunities do you feel like they may be gaining or missing from that?
0: Yeah, I actually have a lot of um, particularly black women that I'm connected to and close with that have never dated um, outside of their race. And some of them are um, of age in their late 40s, early 50s, mid 50s. And they are waiting on that uh, what they call IBM ideal black male and he hasn't shown up yet for them and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be married or together with a black man, if you are a black woman. But I also think I don't want these women to be lonely the rest of their lives waiting for a relationship that may or may not come when there are really great men out there that can still treat them well and understand, uh, what they're going through in life and how to support them You know, regardless of whether or not they're black, you know, a lot of the things that the women say to me that I hear is that, you know, if you're a white man, you can't understand my struggle. You know, I think they believe because, you know, you haven't gone through the kind of racial um, injustice or discrimination in the workplace that people of color might have gone through that you can't understand that journey. And so they are limiting themselves to be in a relationship Maybe out of fear uh, of what the community around them might say or just maybe out of a fear of that they don't have enough in common to keep the relationship strong.
1: And I can say for myself, I when we first got together, I, I didn't have an awareness of some of the challenges that you went through. But I, I will let the ladies out there know that I have learned over time to better understand some of the inequalities and some of the missed opportunities and some of the challenges you face as a black woman in today's society and it doesn't go by the wayside i I take that in i understand that and i you can you can ask lala over here i actually do research when i don't understand something i get on google and i like you know try to do research help myself to better understand that at the end of the day i still might not agree that it's an issue but at the end of the day, I can have a better understanding of why sh- she thinks it's an issue or somebody else might think it's an issue. But that's what we do through conversation.
0: Yeah, we do a lot through conversation. I think one of the other big challenges we have is deciding which pie is better, sweet potato or pumpkin. And it's a struggle <laughs> uh, with our family around the holidays because, you know, I can dig pumpkin, pumpkin rolls up here, pumpkin pancakes, even pumpkin bread, but nothing beats a good sweet potato pie. I'm sorry.
1: Is that where you're going? That's where
0: I'm going. Are you hungry? No, I'm not hungry at the moment, but I never will turn down a piece of pie.
1: That reminds me of the first time I had dinner with you, your mom, your sister. And ironically, your dad was That's the only only time (laughs) I've ever (laughs) met him. It's the
0: only time you've ever met him,
1: for real. But it, I remember going there and she's like I was like, "Well, what do you have in?" And, "Well, you know, traditional soul food, stuff like that." I'm like, "Uh-oh, what is?" I didn't know. I <laughs> I don't eat soul, I didn't know what it was. Collard, Green, greens. Collard greens. Collard greens. Yeah. Yep. What else do you Black have? eyed peas. Black eyed peas.
0: Yeah, ribs. Yeah, ribs, mac and cheese, of course. Yeah. Corn southern bread. mac and Southern mac and, mac and, and cheese, cheese, so they're somehow they're
1: special. I mean, way.
0: there's some specialness in our southern mac and cheese, no lie.
1: <laughs> but when I when I sat down, I was I was nervous cuz when we first met, I I remember I was nervous because all your family was there. I felt like everybody's kind of, well, you know, what's this guy doing? I'm the only <laughs> white guy in the room. How's this going to go? And uh, and I remember just sitting down and that's one thing about food. Man, if it's good, it'll bring people together. That's right. And your mom did a, a wonderful job at preparing that food that day. Yes. And I still think about it even now.
0: Yeah. And I think, that's such a wonderful common thread for people. If you can't agree about a lot of things, uh, you can sit down and have a meal together. And usually that conversation can come very naturally from that, that environment. Just thinking about tradition in your own family, some of your favorite foods, places that you've never been that you maybe want to go and try some of their culinary denights. So things of that nature are pretty
1: fun, too. Yeah, I agree. And now now we we go to soul food restaurants and whatnot. Yes. And I'm, I'm excited. Like I know it's on the menu. Let's go.
0: Yes, exactly. And even not just soul food. We experience all cultural food all together, which is super exciting and wonderful as a family. So I do want to talk about one other piece um, that I think is really important from um interracial couple relationship and some of that is spirituality and religion you know i grew up in a southern baptist uh environment and i went to church quite often um and brian you didn't go to church as often
1: yeah and we went to just just a traditional christian church yes no i think it was non-denominational but i'm not don't hold me to that that's how often we went i don't yes i'm not really sure
0: you know but typically people say that's the most segregated time in america is during church So it's kind of nice when you can kind of visit churches that accept all couples together. But we when we first got married, we actually went to one of my friends church, which is happened to be a traditional black church on Easter. And so I remember one of the funny moments is that I, I told my husband we were going to church and we were gonna go grab lunch afterwards and he said, Oh, do I need to eat anything before? And I was like, Oh no, shouldn't be that long, you know. And uh our favorite comedian, Gary Owen, does a phenomenal joke because Gary is a white man married to a black woman and he does a great joke about his first time visiting a black church and I think Brian's experience was very similar. Was it not?
1: <laughs> yes, and if you, if you're black in the audience listening to this, you already know what's going on. But for those of you that are white that don't know, black services on uh, Easter. Oh my lord! They were he, he kept asking for people to come up and be saved, and I was about to throw people out of the seat like get your butt up there and get saved. It's we've been here three hours. I mean, we were sitting here so long we had to knock the dust off. <laughs>
0: So he got I got in trouble for uh, not letting him eat a little something before we went to church. But uh, that was another one of those cultural experiences that you, you have to experience at least one time uh, when you're in an interracial relationship. But
1: I will say, though, I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed the service. Despite the time it took, the choir was wonderful. The, mm-hmm. the preacher was great. Uh, <laughs> Lord, the time, time <laughs> management. What happened?
0: It's man, you gotta celebrate, mm. you gotta <laughs> celebrate, you know, but we've, uh, this year will be our 12th year together, our 11th year in marriage. And we have continued to learn e- each and every day. We continue to learn, um, more about each other because we are at a different stage of life. when we, when we first met even, you know, 12 years ago, we have children that are, are grown now. I mean, it's like we were watching them develop and become amazing humans and citizens of the world. And so we will continue to learn and grow together. And my hope, my sincere hope is that more people will take the time to reach out to someone who is different from them, who have a different marriage than them, different ethnicity than them, and start to try to bridge the divide that's happening. And just ask people a question, find out what they have in common. You know, we all, Get sad, we all love, we all get angry, we all find joy, you know, so why don't we just take a moment to just really talk to each other and explore what it is that gives each other those different emotions and figure out what we have in common?
1: Yeah, a little bit of conversation go a long way, yes, it can definitely solve some problems, especially communication problems, and that's why we're here doing this podcast today that's why we're here today so
0: thank you all again for joining us today uh, In a couple of weeks we'll have our next episode and we're very excited to continue to explore this uh dialogue around the differences and how we can come together and remember everything's not black and white
1: well you got ahead of yourself what you forgot to give the email out
0: oh i did i got ahead of myself
1: so la if anybody wants to reach us via email <laughs> where would they go they
0: can go to enbwpodcast at gmail.com that is enbwpodcast at gmail.com
1: and if you have any questions, topics, statements, if you want to yell at us, give us some love, <laughs> send it that way.
0: No yelling. Just give us love. No, we'd love to hear your experience. We know there's a lot of interracial couples out there, and your experiences may be similar to ours or different from ours. And we'd love to hear from you um, so that we can share in that um, knowledge and experience together.
1: All right. Until next time, this is Brian. And Lala. We will see you next time.
0: All right. Have a good day. This has been Everything's Not Black and White, a podcast about perspectives with your hosts, Lala and Brian, a production of LBB Edutainment.